0: Hello folks, this is Gary Naylor. It's good to be with you again, and I hope that you're going to find this time together being most informative and most helpful. Let me tell you folks, there's one thing that we face right now that is extremely, extremely important. Men in the kingdom have been dying for 2,000 years. And it's just accepted that you die. And, of course, Christians think that they're going to be raptured all of a sudden. But their concept of the rapture is totally false. And it's important that we find the truth. We're going to look at a scripture here in just a moment, and it says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, folks, there's one thing that we need to be set free from more than ever, ever before. And that is to be set free from death. Death is our enemy. And we've gone through 2,000 years of death, 2,000 swine going to the sea of death. And if we're going to overcome that, according to the scriptures, we have to know truth. And frankly, brothers and sisters, the body of Christ does not know truth. They know a little bit but they don't even understand where they are in time and what's going to happen. So it's very important that we take a serious look at this matter of death and what the scriptures are telling us. We're going to start in John chapters 7 and 8, and we're going to pull some things out of there that will help us along the way. You will recall from a previous podcast that John chapter 7 addresses this matter of Yeshua coming in the middle of tabernacles. He told his disciples, I will not go with you into tabernacles. But most significantly, he changed his mind, if you would, and came in the middle of tabernacles. You can go back to that podcast and read about him coming in the middle. It's extremely important. But despite what he said, he went into the temple and started teaching in the middle of tabernacles. And then, very importantly, on the eighth great day of tabernacles, he said this, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Of course, following Yeshua's death, his resurrection, his going away for eight days, coming back on the eighth day and being among them, and staying with them up until the time of Pentecost, they did thereupon receive the former reign. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit as was promised. But I ask you, the former rain came on the day of Pentecost, which has nothing to do with tabernacles when Yeshua spoke these words. He spoke these things concerning tabernacles, the eighth great day of tabernacles. And yet, of course, if you would, out of their innermost being flowed rivers of living water. But quite obviously, it was not the water that Yeshua spoke of here because he spoke of it in relation to the great eighth day and the Feast of Tabernacles. Keep in mind, Passover has been fulfilled. Of course, we have to have a delayed Passover. We've talked about that. Certainly, Pentecost has been fulfilled. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came upon them. But keep in mind, Pentecost is two loaves of leavened bread. And what would follow is 2,000 years of corrupt Christianity. And so we have not yet received that which was spoken of by Yeshua here in John chapter 7 and in John chapter 8. So, what are we talking about here? We're talking about something that relates specifically to today, and it has to do with the latter reign. What we need is not what they received and began the church, of course, that was followed by the body of Christ work. but what we need is that which is spoken of in Daniel chapter nine, where it says that the end will come with a flood. The flood that we have to have is the flood that was portrayed in the time of Noah and it is a flood of water that covers the earth. Yahweh God said he would not bring a curse, a flood of water in a curse upon the earth again. What we have to have is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that covers the earth and lifts up the eight now, if you want to know more about this, you can go to the last podcast called The Macro and look at this some more. And of course, what we're talking about here is not the former reign. It's already been fulfilled. What we have to have now is the latter reign of the spirit. And again, the former reign was associated with a Passover Pentecost. The latter reign has to be associated with a tabernacle's work, and that would be a tabernacle's Pentecost. Again, you can go to the podcast and examine this more carefully. And I want you to know that what we're talking about right now is preparing the way for what we really need to get to in this time together. We're looking at John chapter 7, we see Yeshua coming in the middle, we see the promise on the eighth great day of the latter reign. Here again at Tabernacles, where Solomon's Temple, which is a picture of the kingdom of God that is established with a throne that never ends. We're talking about the end times here. And in that testimony, we see again the dedication of the temple at the time of Tabernacles. And then you have the eighth great day that is celebrated by the people. And so, again, we're talking about the latter rain work. That is where we are in time, and that is our focus. And our focus is not just in trying to understand this coming of the latter rain, but why? What is the purpose of the latter rain? We know it's the fulfillment of the promise because the promise breached. We had the former rain, Stephen was stoned, boom, there's death right off the bat. And then comes 2,000 years of the swine going to the sea of death. Folks, get in your mind that this work today does prepare the way for the coming of the Son of God. But most importantly, especially when you look at the role of Satan, and he only has 2,000 years, most importantly, death has to be put away. And we're going to see this in John chapter 8, immediately after he talks about tabernacles. So the next day he goes into the temple and he continues teaching. Let's pick up on verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. You will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Again, folks, we need to be free from death. We need to be free from Satan. Satan has taken believers to the grave for 2,000 years. How do we know that this is the purpose of this latter rain, not only empowering us, fulfilling that which was promised to the first remnant, and we receive the latter day portion Let's look at what else Yeshua said in these verses. In verse 51, Yeshua said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. This promise is related to those who fulfill tabernacles, that we will not see death. And that is absolutely critical because One, Satan is being bound. His time is at an end. And so death has to become history. That there is no longer death. The fact is, we have to be free from death. Yeshua said, You will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. What truth is he speaking of? To answer that question, we have to go to the book of Esther and look at that account. It is a most significant and most fulfilling and rewarding account. This has been touched on in a previous podcast, but I want to deal with a very specific item in there. Let's rehearse the message of Esther. Esther is a type of the bride. Vashti is... Is a type of Satan. But it's not just Satan in that he was disobedient, being the unfaithful bride to Yahweh. We also see him in Haman, who wanted to kill Mordecai. Now that's the setting, that's the drama that was going on. But let's look at a very specific aspect of this testimony, of this account. And here again, we have to turn to that verse. It says, that which has been is that which will be. That which has been done is that which will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. If you want to know what God is going to do, you have to look back into the scriptures and see them. But you also have to have insight and understanding. Those are critical. Otherwise, the blind lead the blind. But let's look at something most important there. Esther was now in the place of the queen. Mordecai found out that Haman was going to kill the Jews. That would mean Mordecai, Esther, and all the Jews in the land. Mordecai went to Esther and said, you've got to go before the king. She said, it could cost me my life. Because if she went before the king without an invitation, unless he extended the rod to her, she would be killed. But she knew she had to, and so she asked for Mordecai to pray for her, and she went before the king. Now, start thinking prophetically at this point. She went before the king, and if he did not extend his staff to her and her touched the staff, then she would be killed. The sentence of death was upon her one way or the other, either through Haman or if he did not extend the staff to her. She went before him. He extended the staff. She touched the head specifically the head of the staff, and she was welcomed before the king. That was the turning point of this whole death process. The question is what was the significance? What was Yahweh speaking when He included in that account that Esther had to come before the king and had to touch the head of? of the staff, if you would, the head of the rod. Prophetically, what did it mean to touch the head of the rod? I'm going to relate two things to you. Now, I'm speaking prophetically, and so some of this might be sensitive, but Yahweh prophesies in our bodily functions. When a woman touches the head of the rod of her husband, And her relationship with him leads to intercourse. By doing so, she received the sheman, the Holy Spirit. And what could that prophesy? Let me give you another account. Deborah sat underneath a palm tree and was a judge. Now, what's the significance of sitting under a palm tree? A palm tree is prophetic of Again, the same thing as the rod. It has a shaft and it has a head. Now, most significantly, whenever Yeshua came into Jerusalem and they heralded him as the king, they laid before him palm branches. What does that mean? And folks, this is not far-fetched. The head of that rod and the head of a palm tree, and it actually means erect. The word in the Hebrew for palm tree is an erect. The head of that speaks of headship, but it also speaks of knowledge. Deborah sat under the palm tree and had the mind of God. She was a type of the bride. Who is under the authority of Yeshua and has the mind of Yeshua, who can touch the head just like Esther touched the head of the rod. What I'm telling you is exactly what we saw in that passage concerning Yeshua, related specifically to tabernacles. Yeshua said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And then he also said, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Both of these items look to where we are today. There has to be a bride work that can touch the head. Now, by touching the head, number one, it speaks of touching the authority of God. That which will set us free from death. But the thing that I want to address most thoroughly is that it's the same thing as taking those palm branches and laying them before Yeshua. It is truth. Touching the head of the rod is to gain understanding that no man has ever gained before. Man has been dying for 2,000 years. He has not touched the head of the rod. He has been dying. He has not understood what God is doing. It is critical that we today, if we are going to overcome death, we have to understand what he's doing. And by touching the head, by gaining understanding, we can overcome death. We can overcome Satan. He will be exposed for who and what he is. He will be hung on his own devious plans, his own 50-cubit gallows, a Pentecost. Pentecost will kill him. So we ask the question, why did Esther have two wine banquets? Because the former reign of the Holy Spirit brought forth understanding. Yeshua was there with them, and they could touch the head of the rod. But it was too early, they had to die. It had to come to a latter work, and that first remnant would be preserved alive at the latter reign, at the last trumpet they will come out of death. At that time, they had to die. The first wine banquet didn't reveal Haman. It did not stop death. It was not until the latter wine banquet that death was overcome. That is where we are today. We have to meet with the king. We have to touch the head of the rod. By touching the head of the rod at the next wine banquet, if you would, touching the head of the rod, that's what God is before him, by gaining truth and understanding that you're learning right now. It will set us free from death. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. This is where we are right now. It's because of truth. It's because of touching the rod the second time. And frankly, it's these words that you're hearing right now and what you have been learning at RendantBride.com. You're touching the head. You're understanding what Yeshua is doing for the first time in 2,000 years. We have to have truth. Do you understand We have to have truth, and that truth guarantees that we will not die. Okay, I hope you understand this, and I'm now going to move to another subject that has come to my attention at this time as well, and it is most unusual, but helps us to understand what Yahweh is doing right now. It has some interesting personal testimonies in it as well that I think you will enjoy. As you would know from reading the Africa reports, Yahweh is doing an incredible work in Africa. It is totally amazing what Yahweh is doing in that continent and the spread of bride truth. As one of the bishops spoke to me recently, He said, Gary, this is not you, it's not us, it's God. That is without a doubt true. Yahweh God, in the last year, from when I first went to Africa in December of 2015, has done an incredible work. I mean, thousands upon thousands upon thousands are turning to bride truth. Christians, Muslims, it's an amazing work. There is a huge demand huge clamor for the truth of the bride. And the fact that this bride work is truly coming forth out of Africa speaks to us. I think you're going to find this most interesting. In chapter one, in the beginning of the Song of Solomon, concerning this bride, we read in verse five, I am black, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem. In the last podcast called The Macro, we see that what Yahweh is doing is having mercy on man. And that which up to now has been a curse, he is going to turn it to be a blessing. This is certainly true in Africa. Africa has been cursed. We see this in Zechariah 3. For Yahweh said that he would engrave an engraving of Satan on a rock. We see Satan's face on Africa. Africa is a cursed work. He said that he would remove the iniquity of that land in one day. And we're seeing that right now. Yahweh is pouring out his understanding on the black man of Africa. Why would he do that? I was talking with another black man today, a brother here in the United States. He doesn't know where he came from in Africa, but he knows his roots are there. He'd love to return and see this work that's happening there. And I was speaking about the curse that is on Africa. But I told him very clearly, I said, brother, Africa testifies to being under a curse. Yahweh told me that Africa is Christianity. I said, but the reality is we are all black men. We are all of that same curse. It's just that the black men of Africa prophesized concerning it where well, there's this curse. It's the same curse that came upon the black man, testified when Simon of Cyrene, a black man, had to pick up the cross and bear it. He had to bear the cross. He had to take on the curse just like Yeshua took on the curse by going to the cross. It was a black man that testified of that curse coming upon the people. As a black man, he speaks of this curse. But the reality is we are all black. We are all black men. We are all cursed under this flesh existence that we have. The reality is What is taking place in Africa is prophesying what Yahweh God is going to do over the whole earth. He's beginning as a testimony there in Africa. And obviously, for it to be fulfilled, it has to go outside the borders of Africa, and that is the heart of the African people. They want this work to spread throughout the world. Let me tell you a most interesting story. And again, that which has been is that which will be, that which has been done is that which will be done. And what I'm going to share with you is very, very intimate and close to me. You see, I raised five ravens, five black ravens. Now keep in mind, Elijah was fed by the ravens. I raised five ravens, one of them, Her name was George because I didn't know how to determine the sex of a bird whenever I got her. I had her for 23, 24 years. And as far as she was concerned, I was her mate. Whenever she went into heat in the springtime, when I came out to the cage, she would get into a mating position. The other bird in the cage was a male, and he was an opportunist. His name was Louie. And as an opportunist, he would jump on her and mate with her. One year she did lay eggs, and they were fertile. So I personally had five ravens, and one of them regarded me as her husband. Brothers and sisters, that's what's happening in Africa right now. This African bride regards me as their husband right now, as their teacher. And of course, I stand in the place of, hopefully, of Yeshua, and he is going to marry them. And so I already have the testimony in my life that I have a wife that is a black raven. Now you say, oh, Gary, isn't that a little bit of a stretch? Well, let me tell you another story, and you can tell me if it's a stretch or not, okay? Because what I'm getting ready to tell you is an absolute miracle, 100% guaranteed absolute miracle. And why would Yahweh do it? Except He was prophesying. You see, things happen in our lives, and we don't know until years later what they meant. Let me tell you the story. I had met a girl who eventually became my wife, we had been dating for a few months. And she knew, of course, that I had my ravens. She'd been over to the house. We had a an ever-increasing close relationship. And I had a date with her one evening, and she calls me on the phone and says, Gary, are your ravens at home? You see, I let the ravens fly out every day, just about. They'd go out and fly around, and they'd come back home and get back in the cage, and I'd close the cage. So they were free to leave if they wanted to, but they didn't leave. So she said, are your Ravens home? And I said, well, yeah, I think so. She said, there is a Raven that is outside my bedroom window and calling to me and standing there on the house next door and calling to me. I said, well, I'll go look. And I went outside and sure enough, Louis wasn't there, the male. I said, no, Louis's not here. So we had a date that evening, and I said, well, I'll hurry and come over there now. And he stayed there the entire time. He's got full plumage, all their birds did. He stayed there the entire time, and I went over there and got out, and sure enough, it was Louis. So I had a command that called them to get on my arm, which I'd snap my fingers and hold my arm up, and I'd say, come on, get on my arm. And he just, mech, mac fussed at me. I said it a second time. Come on, come on, Louis. Let's go home. Mac, Mac, Mac. And so I said, "I'm one more time, Louis. This is your last time. Come on, let's go home. Mac, Mac, Mac. All right, bye bye. See you later." And my wife to be got in the car, and uh, we drove off. Now, what is the chance? of that raven flying all the way across town and landing on the house next to hers and calling to her through her bedroom window. (laughs) That's incalculable. What the chance of that happening, that raven had never been over there. That raven stayed in the area where I lived. They didn't leave. He had never followed me over to her house. All of a sudden, that raven is now standing outside her bedroom window and calling to the one who would be my wife. That raven identified my wife. The chances of that happening apart from God are zero. My girlfriend lived at least two miles away, and you got 360 degrees. And all of a sudden, it ends up, outside her bedroom window calling to her? Brothers and sisters, that was prophecy. That was a clear prophetic message. And here's the answer. It's the black raven that identifies my bride. It's the black raven that identifies the bride of Yeshua. It was the black ravens than identified and fed the Elijah. You say, well, what's the significance of a black raven? Well, they're cursed, just like we are. Is Yahweh God going to use the black men of Africa? He's proving it right now. But of course, who began the church out of Antioch? Two black men. So is it such a surprise that He would use the black man again to start another work. That certainly seems what he's doing. It's a prophetic testimony of what God is doing. He is having mercy on man. We are all black men. And Yahweh testified through George, who regarded me as her husband, and Louis, who went and identified the woman who would be my bride, he identified through these two occasions that my bride would be a black bride. And this is beginning in Africa. And it's going to spread throughout the world because we know we're really all black men. And Yahweh has to have mercy upon us and use us despite this cursed flesh that we're in that has belonged to the devil for 2,000 years and really even 6,000 years. He's got to have mercy upon us and call out a bride, as it says in Song of Songs, I am black but beautiful. Now, related to this, I'm going to try to explain something, and I hope you understand what I'm going to say we do see now that the bride is black, testified by my ravens, testified by Yahweh moving in Africa in such a profound way. She is black and beautiful. But there's another work on this earth that is equally black, and that is the Kaaba that's in Mecca, Saudi Arabia. It is, by and large, a black cube. Now, when I say cube, what thought comes to your mind concerning a cube? Well, Revelation chapter 21 tells us that Jerusalem above that comes down out of heaven is a cube. It's a square. And so the Muslims have this Kaaba, this cube that identifies their relationship with God. And it too is black. And not only is it black, but the cornerstone of the Kaaba is a black stone. And that would be to the east. So what are we seeing? Are they the fulfillment? No. No. Their origin is Ishmael, and Ishmael was not the fulfillment. He was blessed of God. He had 12 sons, just like Jacob had 12 sons in the 12 tribes. It is a work of God, no question, but they are not the fulfillment. Let me ask you a question. Is your earthly body the fulfillment of the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> no. No. Our earthly body came from Satan. It's of this world. It is inadequate, wholly inadequate. The best we can do is receive the sheman, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and impregnate us and bring Emmanuel back to this earth and us ascend alive into heaven and be transformed into the body that we have to have to be successful. And that is a body that is born from above. that's not of this world. You see, the way of Yahweh is to have a work that he begins and then it breaches, and the other work is the fulfillment. We see that with the bride. Well it's true with Ishmael and Isaac as well. And the roots of the Muslim religion is Ishmael. Can Ishmael be the fulfillment? Absolutely not. The fulfillment has to be the latter. It cannot be the Ishmael work. It has to be the Isaac work. I'll ask you in like manner. Was the first remnant the fulfillment? No. They began it, but the fulfillment has to be in the second remnant. Again, the first remnant, the first body has to die. It's the second remnant, the second body that is the fulfillment. And it's the same thing with Ishmael and Isaac the first was not enough. Abraham asked, isn't Ishmael enough? He was not enough. It had to go to Isaac. And so the Muslims, as sincere as they are, they are a work that cannot bring the cube to this earth, the kingdom of heaven. The best thing they can do is to bring a natural cube to and this cornerstone called the black stone, that's the best they can do. It's like the flesh, folks. Will the flesh ever bring forth the kingdom of heaven? No. We have to be caught up and in taken into heaven and get out of these earthly bodies and come back in a heavenly body in order to be that fulfillment of the cube. Let me tell you what, folks. and. You Muslim brothers and sisters. And I call you brothers and sisters, just as Ishmael and Isaac were brothers. What you believe and what you hold to will not bring forth what you need, what you desire. You are an Ishmael, and it has to go to the other work. And it's not even Christianity. They're not even the answer. It has to be the bride work. It has to be the cube that comes down out of heaven and you can stand outside the Kaaba. You can touch that black stone all you wish. It is not going to bring forth the fulfillment that you need. It proves every year that it is a work of death as people die and are trampled to death, especially this last year. If you really want to walk in the fulfillment, You have to walk in the bride work. The bride is the Kaaba that comes down out of heaven. Yours is natural. It's a natural religion. The Kaaba that you need is that which comes down out of heaven, and there is only one way to enter into that work, and that is to be the bride. Do you understand what I'm saying? The black Kaaba. The Black Bride. It testifies to that which needs to come, and that is that we enter into an immortal, incorruptible body and we not be black anymore, if you would. We have to put off the black and put on the new. Does that mean that our skin will change whenever we enter into an immortal, incorruptible body? No, it doesn't mean that. I'm just speaking prophetically. We have to put off the old and put on the new. And the bride is of this world, but she has to be caught up to heaven. Muslims, your Kaaba is not going up into heaven. You will not ascend alive into heaven. The only one who will is to enter into the bride work. And I say that to you for your gain. It's not to judge. It's to let you know and warn you what the answer truly is. It's not in the natural. Your Kaaba is natural. It's in the spiritual. That's the fulfillment. The problem with Christianity, they kept seeing everything in the natural. They didn't see the fulfillment either in the bride. And so they've gone to death for 2,000 years and all the Muslims will go to death as well. There has to be another work that is created before the coming of the Son of God. And that is the bride. And it's an invitation to all people to come, to believe, and to enter into that bride work. It is a black bride work. There's no question. But your black kava will stay there forever. And this black bride will ascend alive into heaven. And will be transformed into an immortal, incorruptible body. And will come back to this earth in rule and reign with Emmanuel. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. Don't pursue the natural. Pursue that which is above. And it is only through the bride that you're going to enter into that work. It's not by being a Christian. It's not by being a Muslim. In Africa, these brothers are understanding it. They understand that the Muslim religion is a failure just like Christianity is. He is going to bring out a people who will be caught up to heaven, who will be transformed into an immortal, incorruptible body and come back to this earth as that cube. If you want to hold on to that natural cube, you will stay natural. If you want to enter into the bride, you will be spiritual, you will be that cube as a living being transformed into immortality, returning with the Son of God to this earth. Those are our choices folks, the natural or the spiritual. Which one will you choose? I hope you've benefited from this time together. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at rednutbride.com. You can find the email address. It's gary at rednutbride.com. And study the other writings and the other teachings, listen to the various broadcasts, and there are a number of videos that have been created as well. And we look to Yahweh to touch the head of that rod. To gain his understanding. To gain his knowledge. To hold in our hand those palm branches. That are from the head of the rod. Take that truth. Lay it down before us. And prepare the way. For Emmanuel to come to this earth. Ladies and gentlemen. Now is the time. And we look to the Father to fulfill his word. In the name of Yeshua, amen.